This is College Football Weekly. College football like you've never heard it before. Now, here's Will Chambers and Tyler Walgie. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Professional better Tyler Walgie. Next to me, as always, Tyler. What's happening, Willie? How you doing? I'm doing okay. It was an interesting week two and a half or three of college football. Yeah. What was it? Week two? It was week three. Well, zero weeks. It was week four, really. No, it's week three. We, we okay. don't. We, you know, we don't have to argue about this every week. Yes, we do. Till the end of the season. I'm In order it up. to keep things, you know, regular for, for continuity purposes, it was week three. And it, it was, was a it good was one. Okay. I mean, yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, before we even get into some of the games, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up you and I seem to be failures you at making predictions. You and I. What do you mean? Do you remember our segment last week where we made bold predictions for the future? Not looking too good, Tyler. Well, that's the uh, thing about bold <laughs> predictions. I mean, isn't the definition of a bold prediction it's yeah, not likely to no, happen? No, you're totally right. But it's still funny that like you and I both gave out our bold predictions. Yours was what, what? that uh, CU would compete for the Pac-12 South. Now, technically... <laughs> That technically they still can. <laughs> technically yeah, they still right. can. Mine, one of Jesus. mine was that I was very, uh, I was big on Maryland, and I thought Maryland could beat uh, two, two of their top four opponents being Michigan State, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. And what do they do? They go and lay an egg and lose at Temple. So, well, you know, once again, that doesn't, uh, it's still possible that my prediction is right, but it's so funny that, you know, like I'm such a typical fan. I see Maryland put up like 70 points two, two weeks in a row <laughs> yeah. against pretty much nobody. I mean, I guess they did do it to Syracuse and they go and lose at Temple. And so, you know, I just didn't, when I was watching that game, I was like, man, I don't feel very smart. Well, if you want our predictions to be right, don't tell me to come up with bold <laughs> predictions. That's the whole definition is it doesn't have a huge chance to hit. I know. And uh, tell me, honestly, because <laughs> you, did you make it to the CU game this time? Did yes. your car make it? Yeah. Can you believe I've made it to this one? And how, what was your experience like? <laughs> it's awful. It sucked, man. I mean, I hate losing to a school like that where you know you're just so much better than them. And it was not that CU lost. It was the way they lost. Like, I feel like if you keep going to the outside and actually just try and open the ball up, try and, try and space the field out, it's not even close. The athletes CU had. They got up 10 points and then just started running the football, yeah. being stubborn, and, and it just drove me up a wall. So That I was exactly how, how Michigan played Army, by the way. It's like it, it, there's something so defeating and like demoralizing about playing these service academy yeah, teams. I don't it's know like, why. I, I'm sitting there with the stadium going, why did we schedule this? Like, I, I was exactly, getting mad. Exactly. <laughs> like, there, why did we do this? There's a couple rules. It's like don't schedule Central Florida and don't schedule service academies. Now, all respect, obviously, to the men and women in, in service, uh, it's not anything like that. It's nothing personal, but it's like it's 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 horrible. They they just bleed you to death with these long drives. Yes. The triple option is so hard when all they need is like three yards per play, and they're good because they're going to go for it on fourth down a bunch. They don't have to throw the ball a lot, and they always play super aggressive on defense too. So it you know that was tough for. I mean, CU did storm back. They were down, but still they've done but, that all year long. Where they yeah. get off to this slow start and rely on a comeback. It drove me crazy, and now I'm just terrified for my season win total bet for <laughs> that, that was a big one that, you know they, they needed that one man you could swap that for the nebraska one right because probably most people didn't expect I, so they could I didn't still necessarily expect it but i was i, I thought there was above a 50 percent chance the c was going into pac-12 play three and oh so is the bet 
uh, three and a half or four? Four. So you, they need to get to five for your yeah. bet to cash. Yeah. Okay, that's. But I mean, I, I'm okay with the draw option, but three and a half is low. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, for three sure. That's real low, but. And it was also for like minus 140 or something like that. So. I feel like when you play those Service Academy teams, you can kind of just throw out that result. Um, you know, there, there's nothing to... Yeah, it, tell that to the well, playoff No, I, no I, I don't mean it in that way. I mean like as far as like, you know, predicting what kind of team CU has or same thing with Michigan. Like no, Michigan looked look, look like shit against uh, Army. And, and, you know, it's not to say they don't have problems to fix... But I feel like when you play those teams, like those games, just they're so wild, they're so different that you can't take too much either way, positive or negative, from those games. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. You can't dwell on it. You got to move forward, and that's the thing too is you start playing teams who you match up with. It's a totally different story. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. Well, uh, week three was nuts. There were so many good games. So there, there, you know, there wasn't really any big marquee matchup. There were no like top fifteen matchups, and I feel like a lot of people were complaining about you know the the games we had on the slate for that week and it ended up being awesome there were so many good games did you happen to catch the north carolina wake forest game i'm gonna be honest will after the cu game the cu <laughs> game was at 11, uh, 10 o'clock pacific uh what is that 10 11 12 1 o'clock eastern yeah so after that i was kind of wallowing all day i didn't really i think catch the north carolina game was a friday night game i could be wrong about was that. it but it was crazy because you know north carolina was like a super surprise that to start. Oh, 2-0. that was a Friday night game, yeah, and they just got run out of the building. Was that Wake Forest? Yes. No, what they weren't. Ru- they, they had a chance at the end, so they were down. And, I didn't watch and the end. Of they it. made a comeback, right? So well, then North Carolina has big? the ball. Uh, yeah, I think they were down like fourteen or seventeen at some point. But then, so they're storming back, right? And it seems like here here comes more of this magic from from Mac Brown. And then what ended up happening? And the ACC had to make a public statement about this. But what ended up happening is that. North Carolina had the ball and they run the play. I think they had like 10 or 11 seconds left and they ran a play to try to get, you know, into whether it be field goal range or range for a Hail Mary. And their player stepped out of bounds. It was clear. He had a foot out of bounds with one second left. And the refs just said, blew their whistle, said no. the game was over, and ran off the field. The refs didn't even. What? They didn't let Mac Brown come and plead his case. They literally just blew their whistle, said game over, and ran away. What is this? How and much so, money did they have on that thing? I, exactly, man. And so and so the ACC had to come out and say, yeah, UNC should have had a shot there. And, you know, look, they're probably not going to get the Hail Mary. You know, well, the, yeah, the but, chance, still. but still, it's pretty terrible. And so Mac Brown finally gets that All loss. All you're asking for is an cover. opportunity there. No joke, yeah. And so, so there, you're there were, telling me there's a chance. <laughs> that's right. That's all you need with the Hail Mary is a chance. So there were some good ones. How about, let me just bring this up, because I know in the preseason, I think you, you had some really good things to say about Les Miles in Kansas. And I, oh, I, love, I love Les Miles, but I just think Kansas is terrible. How about them? They go on the road at Boston College and blow out the Eagles uh, forty-eight to twenty-four. How do you preface that with Les Miles is still terrible? <laughs> no, no, I, I like Les Miles. I, oh, Kansas I is terrible. Oh, but okay. for him, I mean, look, they lost to Coastal Carolina last week, and then this week they go and they beat Boston College. That's a huge win for them. Horrible loss for Boston College, by the way. Les Miles, let's say he stays at Kansas for the rest of his career. How many years do you think it takes them to be a contender in the Big Twelve? Not for one season, but every year. A lot. I, I, I'm I, honestly, I am pretty skeptical. I don't know that they can get to that point. I mean, I know Les Miles will be able to recruit better than you know any of the previous coaches there, but I just still feel like trying to get kids to go to Lawrence, Kansas, you know, a basketball school. They've been terrible f- football for so long is a really hard sell. 
So I just don't see them ever. Well, that's actually true. Like, that's a good point. Here's the thing, too, about recruiting is doesn't it start? When did you start rooting for college teams? When you were a kid, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, so that's really when recruiting starts. It's like you yes. want to go play for those schools. And yeah, no, no kid that's one 17 right now. right now is like, you know <laughs> right. what? Who I'll, I'll at least throw in to put in my top five is Kansas. Like, right. no, they're not doing that. And so didn't Champ Bailey and a key and uh, no, it's Chris Harris and a key and a, two, Chris two Harris Broncos cornerbacks. Yeah, went there. to Kansas. So they've had a couple good players that have come through, but like. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't but know. But you that. wonder what was going on during Kansas football when they were kids, is my point. Maybe something, right. you know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, they, everyone they were was hyped Gino. up when, when Mangino was there mm-hmm. and then when Charlie Weiss was there, but they all just did so terrible. Remember my idea for Tommy Tuberville's Tupperware? <laughs> what about Mike Mangino's marinara sauce? Okay. It's pretty good. Plus, he looks like he would endorse it, he right? He does look like he... You want to buy You want to buy some tasty marinara sauce from a guy like a, that. A good, like, eggplant parm, <laughs> you know, maybe a chicken parm sandwich. Eggplant parm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could see that. A plant parm stuffed with gorgonzola. You should start a whole business <laughs> just on alliterative company names. Oh God, I could people. make. I could. Can you imagine? I mean, if they get presented some of those ideas, maybe we've got a business here. Will I'm not so sure that they would be quite as excited about it as you are. <laughs> but your enthusiasm is. is I think that's, that's what's going to put me. Over uh, the you're kind of yeah. selling me on it. Oh, so there you go. Um, how about? Uh, let's see here. The the Alabama game. Okay, Alabama. I think they were. Uh, 25 and a half point favorites and they're up and they're covering right they, they didn't get the first half cover like we both predicted but they're they're covering late and then South Carolina scores with 11 seconds left <laughs> after there was a flag on a failed fourth down play talk about a bad beat or like backdoor cover uh, you know if you're bet, betting South Carolina you're pumped about it but this is just so typical like this is why I hate betting the full game total for Alabama with Nick Saban is that you know so many times they get up on teams and then he puts his third stringers in there and they let, you know, a backdoor cover hit. And so just a very typical Nick Saban performance as far as that goes. Yeah. And then Tua, dude. Tua, I mean, we all know Tua's amazing. I, this isn't any shocking news, but he, I think he had his best game ever at Alabama. 444 yards, five touchdowns. And then you look at the other side. But, but can I stop you real quick? Yeah. I, I think that that South Carolina defense started the season with high expectations. So many seniors coming back, those linebackers. After the North Carolina game, I think they got exposed a little bit. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, so sure. I know Tua had a good game, but... I mean, it's still South... You know, it's not uh, it's not Arkansas State, State or right, whatever. Right. I mean, South Carolina still is... It's not an easy win. Maybe for Alabama it is. For most teams, it's not. Right. And so it's funny, too, because Tua and Trevor Lawrence from Clemson come in both as as the you know the one and two <laughs> Heisman year, favorites, <laughs> and Trevor Lawrence, who also by the way everyone is like this guy's a generational talent. He's on that same level as like John Elway, Andrew Luck, all these guys that are coming out, and he's struggling. He's thrown five interceptions already in the first three weeks. He only threw five interceptions all of 2018. Yeah, he's really struggling, I mean, and, and now and two is expe- killing it. When expectations are so high for these guys, don't we see that all the time in college yeah. football? Where and, I mean, and, Sam Darnold, oh, he should have gone to the NFL as a junior, and he comes back a senior year, just a turnover machine. I mean, we see this a well, lot. Well, Trevor with, Lawrence couldn't didn't have a choice to come back. Like he was a true freshman well, last no, no, year. But yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. It's, like it, once, it's, it's hype one year, yes. and it's just so overblown. Yeah. And then you know, it's 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 yeah. it's tough to follow up. I mean, look, he's going to be fine. He's still he's still gonna be drafted very very high you know a year from now or whatever. Uh, but it is interesting. I mean, look, Clemson hasn't needed him to play well so far to win. They still beat Syracuse forty one to six. They cover, but he didn't look good doing it. The rest of the team is doing most of the heavy lifting for Clemson right now. What do, what do you think about like the general idea of freshman quarterbacks having success? I know that well. I, 
I, I don't know if we've talked about it on this show, but I've always thought that like in other sports, in baseball, when you get a pitcher that a lot of people haven't seen before, just just based on no tape on this guy, right. you know, he's going to have success. Football, the wildcat worked because no one had tape on it. I think in college football, what happens is these really talented kids go into a school. Johnny Manziel won the Heisman his freshman year. Jameis Winston won the Heisman his freshman year. Right. Look at what, what Trevor Lawrence did last year. Look at Tua when he first broke through. Uh, a lot of the times, these guys are better their first year than they are their second yeah. or, or third year. So I think that the that kind of the trajectory is always a little bit worse the next years once people know what they do well. It definitely but, could be. I, I don't know if it's necessarily like in the NFL. I agree with you with the you know once once they get some tape on you, things change. I think that's true in the NFL, but in college, I'm not so sure that's the case. But don't you think it's probably less so in college? But don't you think every coach in the ACC heading into the season now says, "Hey guys, we got Trevor Lawrence here. Let's do a little extra film work on yeah. him, prep for him, see what his tendencies are." Yeah, they get so a target we, on their back. But what I think the real thing is what I. I think that why you see a lot, I mean, we've seen a, a ton of it just this year from true freshman quarterbacks doing really well. And you're right. A lot of them regress a little bit, right? The next, in the following years, what I think it really comes down to is that these kids come in at 18 and they don't even know to be afraid of making some of these mistakes yet. I think they come in and they're just like, whatever, you know, I'm here, I'm a stud. I was a, I was a five-star recruit. They don't know the, uh, you know, what they don't know yet. And so they play that first year and they're just fearless, right? And then they might have a couple of bad games and all of a sudden now things are in their head. I can't make these mistakes. I can't make these mistakes. I think it's more of like a, they come in fearless. You know how like little kids, uh, little kids are just a little more fearless about running and hurting themselves. Sure, sure. As, and it's kind of the it's same the thing. It's ignorance kind of Yeah, it's them. like they don't know what to be afraid of yet. So I think it's something like that. At least that's my opinion. Yeah, it makes it. sense. makes sense. It's just interesting to... To think about that. I like thinking about those kind of macro topics. Yeah, know? for sure. So. so to jump from a couple of Heisman favorites, let's now, how about Jalen Hurts, Oklahoma? So they go on the road to UCLA. You and I were both on the first half and the full game total. OU covers both of those. And by the way, we were one of the few ones. I, I was following the numbers throughout the week. And I'm not going to lie. Um, I always get a little bit nervous when we, we record the show on Tuesdays, right? Yeah. I always get a little nervous when through the week, by Friday night, Saturday morning, all of the sharps are going against us. Now, let's face it. That's how you make money a lot of the time is going against conventional thought. And that's what we did with Oklahoma and it paid off this weekend. Yeah. And look, I mean, you know, uh, you're a testament to this. The sharps, they're professional gamblers, even still... They only win, you know, what, 55, maybe 60% of their bets? You know, 60% so, of their lucky having exactly, a good year. Exactly. So it's not always 100%. You know, those guys uh, miss on their bets all the time. And and I think that the main thing was just like when you see a huge line like that for a road favorite, you know, a lot of times the Sharps want to jump. Yeah. Because historically, you know, road favorites don't cover those kinds of giant well, and numbers. And especially, you know, Oklahoma going to the West Coast. There right. was a lot of weird yeah. stuff that kind of went against Oklahoma being a big right. favorite there. But man, that it was, I got to say, it was sad to watch and see the Rose Bowl, which is like such an iconic stadium for college football and it was like half empty and and the What's people the people that were there were like all oklahoma fans there were no ucla fans in that place yeah i uh it, it's not a good look no, i know it's bad i know oh and three start i mean how you know this can be a, uh, a topic for another day but like when does i know it's just chip kelly's second year and he didn't inherit a great program from jim mora jr but at what point? I mean, they started zero three last year. They're zero three this year again, and it's not looking like it's going to get much easier for them. No, that's a great At point. At what point does it get to the point where you say this guy is <laughs> on the hot seat, I or mean, are we going to fire him? Don't you see this year if they go three and nine being that season? I mean, like, honestly, yeah. or at least 
the conversation starts. So next year it's like, okay, Chip Kelly's on the hot seat. You right. Know? I think that this he's got to he's got to win five games this year in order to avoid that conversation. At which least, he's not yeah. Gonna I mean, I I almost feel like but, he needs to win like or at least win five, but with a couple big ones. Right? They take down. Oh, oh baby. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so, man. That's okay. For uh, uh, for everyone, if your eardrums aren't blown out yet, Tyler, uh, we got a couple games going here. Tyler's betting on some on some hockey games. That's part of his personal portfolio. Oof. He, I know you're you're big on hockey and soccer. Those are your two biggest sports, yes. right? Yeah, my two be- best so, ROI. Sports. You just got uh, a live reading of what it's like to live on the edge. There we go, baby. That's some a, hockey that, one on tonight. That's a good one for Tyler. <laughs> Who scored? Uh, Chicago scored. Okay. Uh, cool. Dylan Strom got the assist. Uh, Preseason Matty hockey. There we go. Yeah. Preseason <laughs> hockey. Hockey season starting. Call me a degenerate. Call me whatever you want. The no, money but, looks the same. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I mean, like if UCLA can get like a signature win, you know, they beat USC or no. they, they they take down like Oregon or something okay. like that. Yeah, if they beat maybe USC. Maybe he gets a little bit of a longer leash. But even with five wins, I mean, honestly, they have to kind of worry about What's US, I, I almost feel like they need to look and see what USC is going to do. You know what? That's such a great point, and I was just thinking that. It's like, what's going to influence this decision is what's going on across the street in the same town. For sure. Don't think for a second that you, USC, UCLA aren't kind of watching each other all the time. Now, I think that it's clear that USC is obviously the football school and the one that we expect to... You know, be the be the better team. Yeah, but UCLA wants that space. You know, they're they, they're fighting over the same territory there. So yeah, that's a good point. They're definitely going to be see what's uh, what's going on at, at USC, and expect big changes that will benefit uh, the Trojans coming up. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, so UCLA gets beat down. Uh, final score was forty eight fourteen. By the way, ouch. Uh, another big score. Another one where you and I were on the first half and the full game. Ohio State beats Indiana fifty one to ten. They just continue to rack up first half points and blow people out early. It does seem like the market maybe has corrected this week, but you know we'll get into that later when we go through the games. But man, the more I watch Ohio State, the more I just feel defeated inside as a Michigan fan because I they just, look better and better. Dude, that right now, I think they're a top four team. If you were going to make the playoff right now, I don't know how you don't include them. They look uh, no, they look for sure. dominant. Yeah, they they definitely do. Their they're, defense is so good. They're they're like they're dominating people i hate it yeah pretty much uh, unstoppable right now and this whole ryan day thing i mean Ugh. maybe i was wrong about him <laughs> he's looking I mean, pretty good so a far a lot of us and indiana typically does well against ohio state against the spread so. yeah for sure and that's all urban meyer coach teams that we're comparing him to so, did you knows? did you uh see uh so i know you said after that de- uh, defeating cu loss you know you kind of shut down a little bit i don't know if you saw what happened in the florida kentucky game uh, this is a you know a good rivalry game. Kentucky's at home. They were getting nine points from I Florida, see, yeah. and they were playing really well. And in fact, they looked like they were going to win it there for a second. Well, Felipe Franks, yeah, went so out. F- exactly. So we should touch on that. Uh, you know, thoughts and prayers to Felipe Franks. That was brutal. He dislocated his his ankle. He's out for the whole season. That's a huge loss for them. Uh, you know, we got a little look at their backup, but he didn't get you know a, a ton of reps throwing the ball. At least they're still a strong team, but they ended up kind of rallying after that happened and they go down and and Kentucky gets a chance to win it with a field goal and uh and missed it of course I and, can't believe that how and, about those field a, goals this weekend dude man? That, it, like having a brutal loss like that in a rivalry game ouch man that that really hurts you know there's a lot of bad ways to lose but when you have a really good look at a game winning field goal on your home field and you, and you can't get it yeah Ugh. that one stings really brutal this was the week are you gonna get to a couple more games this weekend are you are you what? are you gonna talk about the Pittsburgh? 
Yeah, for sure. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Like th- 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 that's next on my list because okay, also yeah. a brutal way to lose. <laughs> I had both P- both field Pitt goals. Penn State. And by the way, so this is a a you know it's an ancient rivalry between these two teams, these two Pennsylvania teams. This was their hundred, I think, hundredth meeting wow. between the two teams. And the worst part is that they're not scheduled to play each other again anytime in the near future. So this is like the last the last matchup between them, at least for the foreseeable future, with the way they schedule games. We probably won't see them play for at least another eight to ten years, if that. And so, you know, Pitt has given Penn State some really close games recently. I kind of looked at that line, you know, Penn State was favored by 17, but I avoided it just because I was, Pitt is just so unpredictable to me. They can do stuff like they, like they did this weekend where they play really tough. Their defense held Penn State to 17 points. They had two chances down at, at the goal line where they got stuffed. And look, people are all over Pat Narduzzi for his playmaking decision. And honestly, I can't, I can't blame anyone for saying that. So he had... A fourth and goal. Yeah, no, that was a terrible with call. With six do minutes you... left, he's down seven, and he kicks the field goal, and it goes off the upright. And it, and then in his post game, they're asking him, they're like, "Why did you kick the field goal there?" And he said, "Well, you're down seven. You need two scores to win, no matter what." It's like, <laughs> does anyone has anyone taught this guy about the two point conversion or overtime? <laughs> yeah, how about that? How about like just go for it? If you don't get it, you're in the exact same spot. You're still down two scores, according to him, right? Nothing has changed except Penn State has the ball on the one, so you can maybe get a safety. (laughs) So instead, he kicks the field goal. Either way, you're forcing yourself to get a touchdown the next try. If he goes for the touchdown and scores right then, he can go for two to take the lead. He can kick it, exactly, go to overtime. I, I just can't stand this, and we see it a lot in the NFL, although this weekend, actually, we saw a lot of coaches that were... Like, frankly, they just have the balls to go for two to win the game. The Broncos did it. We saw Jacksonville try to do it in the NFL. Normally, NFL coaches are so conservative, and I just hate that kind of coaching, that kind of, you know, play not to lose, not, you know, instead of playing to win, that kind of mentality. I love coaches that are aggressive that go for it on fourth down. It looked like, I I think we talked last week about coaches who have, like, analytic guys on the staff now. Yeah. And how they go to these, it looked like Pat Narduzzi at the end of the game referenced one of his coaches as if he was getting advice on what to do. Maybe. Right? It was like fourth down, he like looks over and they're having a conversation. Right. Well, and he also, defended it to the death at the end of the game, so yeah. I just don't understand. I mean, what are the chances that someone on his staff, you know, I mean, generally speaking, I feel like coaches that are like-minded join each other's staffs. Well, and so what are the chances that like some guy in his staff is off his, you know, offensive coordinator is super aggressive and always wants to go for it, but he doesn't? No, I, I mean more... A lot of guys like Pat Narduzzi, who are typically like old school coaches, yeah. will have new school guys on the staff just to help with those little things like, hey, this is a yeah, spot where you want to kick it. This is a spot where you want to do so-and-so. I think they just kind of outthought themselves in that point. Because, I mean, I don't want <laughs> to talk too much about NCAA 14, but you know how like video games are. And yeah. like that, you have a play clock there, and sometimes it's like, oh, Dude. shit, what do I do here? Do I call timeout? Do I do this, do that? In a real game with, yes. with 100,000 people around you, it can be tough to make a decision. Do you know how many teams would be better off if they just had an expert Madden player sitting in their booth just talking to them in their headset <laughs> right? saying, call a timeout right now. Right? Go for two. Like game you know? theory yeah, is a exactly. big thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it's stupid to say because obviously just some kid playing Madden doesn't know more about football. But as far as just like managing your timeouts, managing when to go for it, 
<laughs> that's all stuff that people that play Madden have. I mean, you and I have done it a billion times playing that NCAA video game, playing Madden. But it's not that hard to manage that kind of stuff. To think that coaches are just all great at end of game situations just because their coaches is ridiculous. Every oh yeah, coach is good at something else. Some are good for sure. At X's and O's. Some, some are good. Are terrible in right, game situations. Right, like that. right. Yeah. So, some are good like managers. Yeah. Some are good at game situations. But every coach kind of has his strength. So end of the game, some of those coaches like make really bad calls. We see oh, this yeah. a lot. So. Yeah. So that's a tough one for Pitt. And <laughs> this next one, uh, also, this was one of the most brutal ways to lose. I saw it was the Arizona State-Michigan State game. So Michigan State, God, they played man. at Arizona State last year and that. got beat. That was in Herm Edwards' first year. It was a huge surprise win for Arizona State. This year, everyone's like, okay, Michigan State's at home. They got the revenge factor. Their defense is so amazing. Brutal loss. This game was so ugly. I mean, talk about like a yakety sacks game. It was just no offense. The final score is 10-7. It was terrible. Yeah, exactly. This was, I mean, let's be honest. Michigan State's going to play a lot of yakety sacks games <laughs> with their with the situation they have where their defense is so great and their offense is so terrible. I mean, Lewerke, their quarterback, it's hard to say if it's just him or if it's because the offensive line is bad or his receivers are bad, but everything is bad. They're terrible. They only scored seven points at home against Arizona State. So they ended up taking – Michigan State takes the lead 7-3 with like just a couple minutes to go in the fourth quarter. So it seems like it's over because no one's really being able to move the ball at all. Arizona State makes this long drive. They ended up getting in the end zone. They go for it, I think, on a fourth down and get a touchdown. It was huge. So Michigan State has the ball, and they actually – managed to like drive down the field and get into field goal range right and like man this is so tough so i have a lot of family members that are uh spartan alumnus and i feel for them but what happened is michigan state gets in field goal range they kick a field goal with like i don't know nine <laughs> seconds left right they're like their they're, their kicker is running out onto the field because the, the the play clock is ticking down he's panicked they rush it the Kick is good. The whole play starts cheering. And then all of a sudden you see there's a flag down. It's like, uh-oh, what is this? They had 12 men on the field. <laughs> they were so rushed they had an extra man on the field. So they have, they have to go back five yards and re-kick it. So then they re-kick it and miss. Don't you put that on the coach? On D'Antoni? What? But, but oh, well, yeah. That, 12 that, guys out there? That one's definitely on, you know, maybe not him specifically. Well, special but teams guy. Special teams yeah. coach, the coaching staff in general. And they were rushed. But that's a huge mistake. Oh, that's, and that's tough. To their, uh, <laughs> you know, to to their defense, uh, on the kick where they missed it, actually, I, I heard. I think it was Dean Blandino. He's like a Fox, uh, you know, rules expert. Yeah. Afterwards, he said one of these Arizona State guys leaped. He leapt over the the line to try to block it, and that's actually a penalty that should have been called. But that's not, you can't challenge that. They didn't see it. They didn't call it. So technically, <laughs> Michigan State might have actually had another chance, at, you know, a third chance. To, to make the the, uh, the kick, but that Michigan State kicker, that poor guy, he had missed two already before that. And in such a close game where it ends up being 10-7, he misses three kicks, including the oh. game-tying <laughs> one to send it to overtime. Brutal loss for Michigan State. And, you know, you and I were both pretty on their, their season win total being over. And obviously, you know, this game doesn't necessarily make it or break it, at least not now. But, man, their offense has not gotten better. It hasn't gotten better at all. It's terrible and their defense is going to keep them in games, but their games are just going to be so ugly the whole rest of the year. I just don't see. I don't see how, you know, you can expect them to 
to be able to make a run at the Big Ten at this point. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State is, before the season, they were one of my favorite you know, teams for the most improved category. I still think that that game, look, Arizona State has a pretty good defense. I mean... Oh, yeah. They're a good team, man. Herm Edwards has done a really good yeah, job there. for sure. I was looking at the ESPN efficiency ratings. They're 18th overall, which which, oh, wow. uh, which takes into account a lot of different things, including strength of schedule, uh, you know, situational plays, things like that down in right. distance. So they're a good defense. I mean, I wouldn't count Michigan State out yet, but if anything, I mean, I was, I was down on Arizona State to start the year. If anything, I think that's what I took away from that game was I was impressed by Arizona State. That one is on our bet board. Yeah, I was just looking I, up I've there. We have the season over, win total. So that's a good one for me, for yeah, sure. It but it doesn't mean anything yet. Yeah, their quarterback's a true freshman. He was like a, a highly rated recruit. But, man, how about from that kid, a true freshman, to go in to an environment like at Michigan State against that defense and be able to – you know, get the job done at least enough to, to get the win. It's no, pretty big. No kidding. And we talked about factors that go against teams. I mean, they had the revenge factor going against them. Yep. They were on the road, and Arizona State still wins. Yeah, so. for sure. We'll see. It was a good game, though. One brutal loss to the next. So many brutal losses. <laughs> Iowa, Iowa State, the Cyhawk game. Now, this game was crazy because it, it was supposed to kick off at like 2 p.m. our time, mountain time, and it did. And then they had a little lightning delay for about 45 minutes. They came back played for another five minutes, then had a rain delay. So this game ended up, I don't think it was over until about seven hours after the kickoff was supposed <laughs> to be there. Like they were, they were getting food deliveries into the locker room. There was all this drama, and it ended up just being a complete slop fest. The under hit, Iowa State hit, both, both two picks that I gave out last week, so I was pumped about that. But brutal way to lose for the Cyclones. I like this Cyclones program. That's another one we have on the bet board. You're big on the Iowa State under, and I was, I'm high on them. I had them going over. This is a big one for that. So they're down 17-18, and they force Iowa to punt with a couple, you know, a minute and a half left, I think. And so they're going to get the ball back yeah. with a chance to go and win it. <laughs> Did you see what happened? Yes. Iowa punts the ball. The Spe- I- speaking of, <laughs> is that more, more yakety sacks or what? What do you got? I do. Yeah, exactly. This <laughs> is very man, so bad. Another special teams blunder. So the the, uh, the the punt returner is looking up at the sky. He's right. He calls a fair catch. He's just looking up, waiting for this football to fall into his arms. His own player, you know, the guy who is there to you know try to get a block on the gunner or whatever on the sideline, isn't paying attention. Just bulls right into it into the punt returner. The ball comes down, hits his back. Now it's a live ball. Iowa jumps on it. Game over. Man, that is such a that's such a horrible way to lose. I, I you know, Iowa's now won five in a row. I think in this game, and some of these losses have been so close. God, that's brutal for Iowa State. I feel for them. Yeah, I mean, this is always a great game. This is one of my favorite matchups every year to watch. Yeah. I know it doesn't get like the national headlines, which it should. Yeah, but I mean, it came down. Would you said the food was delivered in the locker room? Yeah, they had got did, like did a sandwich see, delivered like, to to Iowa. I think that they were like they credited that for their victory. You know, it was the sandwiches they got. Of course, it was like that. Of course, it was probably Jimmy John's or something. Well, like did that. the NCAA investigate see if they were free sandwiches? Or yeah, see if maybe they, there was some money stashed in there. I don't know. Will <laughs> you never know? <laughs> yeah, but what a great game though, and uh, for sure, first yeah, time was, game day went to Ames ever. So also brutal for all those Iowa State fans. It was like an awesome. What environment. was the spread that game? Uh, it was Iowa, Iowa minus one and a half or two. You know, at one point it was two and a half. So Iowa State covers. That's you why know, you, never, hits. you don't always just take the money uh, line. Man, just <laughs> brutal. Absolutely brutal. We touched on, you know, Maryland loses to Temple after putting up two crazy first weeks. They score 79 the first week, 63 the second week. Can only manage 17 against Temple. I just don't get it. I know that, you know, every matchup is different, but 
someone has to explain to me how you can hang 63 on Syracuse and then the next week only be able to put up 17 against Temple. I don't understand, Tyler. Help me. If I had an answer for you, I'd be <laughs> coaching him right now. Look, it I mean, doesn't make sense. I, mean, I think there's something to be said for the quote unquote hangover effect. I mean, every time you get a team who has a huge win, they're feeling great about themselves. Yeah, they were you know? ranked. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that you see that bounce back a lot in college football. And for the sure. same thing, not to talk about CU again, but the same thing about the bus. Yeah. Like, Being Nebraska, riding high into the Air Force game and. Kind of got a letdown, let so that'll happen, I think, the bounce back. So another game. This was actually the one I, I was the most confident on of the picks we gave last week. You and I were both all over. It was the Oklahoma State-Tulsa game. Oh, yeah. And this was ridiculous. So the line was Oklahoma State by 14, and I was this was like my – I felt so confident. This was my most confident bet. And guess what? They start off great. They're up 17 nothing to start. Like the first quarter, they're up 17 nothing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm awesome. I'm picking these games so well. Halftime, they're down 21 to 20. <laughs> Tulsa just comes roaring back and is like doing these long drives. They're, they're chewing up the clock. And then Oklahoma State, they end up getting the cover, but you know, with you know, not a second to spare, just like you know, a couple minutes left, they get a touchdown. They end up winning 40, 40 to 21, getting the cover, but they just had to make a sweat it out. And once again, I just don't, you know, Tulsa, it hasn't been a good team, but this is just another example of like certain teams just match up better against other teams. And so that one was brutal. I'm glad they that they covered. That makes me feel incredible because I was just so heavy on that bet. Yeah, and I like Oklahoma State this year, though. I mean, yeah. I think they have a couple new guys who are gonna emerge onto the national scene here in a few weeks when 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 they get into the you know deep into the Big Twelve schedule. But no, that was a good game. I mean, I think that Tulsa they know Oklahoma State, so they were yeah. able to get into it in the first half. But I mean, the talent that the Cowboys have just allowed them to, to pull away at the end of the game. And I really like Oklahoma State this week, next couple of weeks coming up. So uh, good game for the Cowboys. Last game I wanted to touch on uh, the Karma game. Georgia Tech they lose to the Citadel, and the reason why this is Karma, the Citadel was a triple option team. That's what you get, Georgia Tech. Uh, no way. <laughs> you get rid of Paul Johnson. You get rid of the triple option that everyone loves to watch, and that's what happens. You go. You end up playing the Citadel at home. The Citadel beats them. Horrible loss for Georgia Tech. Not that anyone the triple expected. triple option is awesome to watch. I, it's I the love best. It. Yeah. It's so much fun. And I like. I just. I was so sad when Paul Johnson retired or got fired or whatever, pushed out, and for them to switch to try to. You know, they're transitioning into a more traditional. You know, like a pass happy offense, something more modern. And I just hate it. I love seeing the triple option. So that's what you get, Georgia Tech. That's karma, and I don't feel bad for you at all. Yeah, it's uh, that the timeout at the end of the game too, where he comes running on, and yeah, yeah, that was awful. I mean, to talk about a horrible ending to the game. Yeah, because they had it. You're right. They called the timeout yes. on the play where they <laughs> scored a touchdown. <laughs> it was about. Then, to, oh yeah, another field goal, the touchdown. I mean, yeah, yeah and then and then they missed the or they kicked the field goal and then lose in overtime, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. yep, that's what you get. <laughs> that's what you get, Georgia Tech. I know, and I got. I love Georgia Tech so much too. I almost was getting going to be a little crazy. But now, for the I, season I, I, like I love them too. They're always a team I pulled for. I love the triple option, and now I don't feel like any. I, I'm not going to pull for them. I, I can't do it. The whole part of why it was so fun was them just yeah, bludgeoning. Just people. like another random team. Yeah, it's just whatever. <laughs> exactly. It's not interesting anymore. And they were pretty good with that triple option too. They would win some games. Yeah, man, they were. Oh man, every year it was like one team. They'd take some good team and and run five hundred yards on them and just demoralize them. It was so much fun. So I I loved that. Were there any other games you wanted to uh, talk about before we get uh, into our next segment? That covers it. All right, moving on. We're gonna play a little game called Headline Predictor. 
So we're obviously going to give out our picks for next week game, next week's games after this. But let's go ahead and play a little game where we predict the headlines for you know after the after these games. So Tyler, well, you want me to play some for this or what? Oh, if you want to, I don't care. You got some. There we go. Is it okay for yeah, that? sure. It's a little game. All right, hit me with your first headline prediction for next week. All right, next week's headlines. Let's see here. I'll start off with my vanilla ones, and then we'll get better as we go. Okay. Uh, Willie gets tagged as Florida <laughs> State is left searching for answers. How about that? That's really, oh, First of all, it's really clever because I don't think I, I have the uh, the mindset to be able to write these you know these, oh, yeah, these all of puns. mine have a little spin on but them. None <laughs> of mine do at all. Mine are much more well. I know. Maybe I'm just not meant to be like an editor or something. Um, my my first one is just. Harbaugh on the hot seat? Question mark. I, you know, we'll get into this more when we play the games. I, I wish I had a crickets button over here. I that's, know that's that one's not getting many clicks, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at the whole clickbaity thing. How about this? Harbaugh's on the hot seat, and you won't believe why. <laughs> that's some clickbait for you. No, Harbaugh promises something over Ohio State, Harbaugh and then it did says, what? Yeah, right? Yeah. No, but I, I well, don't. Usually feel... these these days, what it'll be is Harbaugh did what? Then it'll be some chick with huge tits. Yeah, it's like of what? Course. Well, that gets the click. It does get the click. I know you would it's click not, on that, Tyler. Well, <laughs> I don't want to see my search history. Um. Yeah. So, I just don't feel I don't feel good about this game. And even though a loss at Wisconsin wouldn't, you know, it really wouldn't have a huge effect, most likely on Michigan's chances this year. Uh, I, the second that he loses a game, all the boo birds are coming out. They're all going to be saying, you know, fire him. He's overrated. Blah blah blah. I think that we're going to see a lot of that this week if they lose to Wisconsin. All right, let's get on to headline number two. Now, I actually don't have an opinion on this game. This is just for the headline. This is okay. just me in the editor room. I don't know anything about football, but here it goes. Raging Cajuns pepper on the points and a spicy win over Ohio. <laughs> that's not oh bad, huh? God. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty good. I, think you, <laughs> I have no commentary on the game, You could make a career though. of this. <laughs> know, yeah, right? you could really make a career out of this, Tyler. Uh, you, you got one more, too? Yeah. God. I actually See, have all, two more after this. Mine are so boring. Like, <laughs> I, I feel so defeated with yours being so clever. Mine suck. So the, my next one is just lights out Pac-12. So I think that if... if USC beats Utah. Now you don't have any undefeated, you know, top-level Pac-12 teams. I think the Pac-12 is out of the playoff race if Utah loses to USC this weekend. That's interesting you still bring Utah into it. I think the Pac-12 is out anyway. I mean, I guess if Utah goes undefeated, go but here's undefeated? the thing. But here's the thing. Let's throw a crazy scenario out there, okay? Georgia, or excuse me, Notre Dame's undefeated. Let's say they beat Georgia this weekend. Notre Dame Alabama and Ohio State are all undefeated. Right. I guess Utah would be in contention for that fourth spot if they didn't lose a game. Right. They're at least in contention. But like, yeah. if what's going to happen is that if there's no undefeated or no truly dominant team out of the Pac-12, they're not even going to be considered. No one's even going to even. They're, they're not even an afterthought. It's just yeah, they're out. Let's not even consider it. And so that's what's going to happen if Utah loses Southern Cal. You know, maybe if Oregon could go undefeated, they'd have a chance since their one loss would be an SEC team. But I just worry that if Utah loses, which they might, that's we're going to get into that more in the picks. I don't feel great about them in this matchup against Southern California. So to me, I think you'll see a lot of headlines about the Pac-12 is dead. Okay, I actually have the same game in one of my headlines. Okay, uh, this but yours is more This clever. one's simple, the Huntley get hunted. And I think uh, USC shows up. I think USC covers the four-point spread. Like you said, we'll talk more about that, but... 
Um, I think USC has a chance to win this game at home and surprise a lot of people. Man, I'm my puns are just... I, I don't even have puns. <laughs> I'm lacking in puns. All right, so you want my, uh, yeah, my last me, one? Yeah, with the other ones. All right. Um, well, you got Willie got uh, Willie gets tagged, the Hunt get hunted, and Raging Cajuns won. <laughs> last here, uh, the BYU-Washington game. Uh, I think Washington goes in and rolls in BYU. The headline, BYU says, no more, man, <laughs> against Washington. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I love it. I it's love not it. bad, huh? No, it's, honestly, it's brilliant. Uh, I would click on all of these articles. This week's headlines. I would absolutely click on that headline. That see, right. the, you know what? You you should get a job at the New York. Uh, what is it? The New York the New York Daily, Post. The, the New Daily York Post. Post. <laughs> yeah, because they always have those great punny headlines. Yeah. And so you would be perfect for that. Well, if anyone that works for, you know, the New York, uh, not the New York Post, the New York, what is it? The New York Daily News or whatever. The Daily Worker. I didn't know he was Hire that Tyler is in, in, in uh, Seinfeld, where she finds out her... her Gold Islanders. Her is boy, that good her, or bad her, her for Her boyfriend's you? a communist. Islanders, uh, we don't have anything on this game okay. right now. Yeah. Cool. That's why you didn't hear Tyler screaming just and now. Not getting in live on this one, so uh, you know, keeping it easy. All right, well, uh, I want to start doing some of those uh, headlines more often. Can we start working that in, you think? Yeah. Sure. I mean, clearly you should want to because you're really good at it. <laughs> I'm going to have to step my game up. Thanks again to show sponsor Wise Money Sports. Go and check them out. Uh, it's really cool. So you have a conglomerate of professional bettors that all give their expert picks ranging from all different kinds of sports. It's not just football. It's not just baseball. It's football, baseball. Hockey season is starting, so there's going to be some hockey picks. They're doing soccer. They're doing tennis. Anything you can imagine, season win totals, picks against the spread, over-unders, all that good stuff. And it's not just getting the picks. It's, it's If you want to get one-on-one -on -one consultation with a professional gambler, you can do that. There's lots of different options for what you can do there. So go and check them out. Join the Wise Money team, wisemoneysports.com, and at Wise Money Sports on Twitter. All right, Tyler. Like, All right, Will. We're through three weeks. It's kind of sad, honestly. I know. So they added the second bye week into the schedule. So now we technically will have, I think, 15 weeks of of football, including conference championships. That's disappointing. But we're already through three. We're already through three. That's 25% of the way through the season. 20%. Well, 12 weeks, isn't it? I just said it's 15 because they added a second bye week. So because everyone plays oh, 12, well, 12 games. I guess you're right. I'm thinking weeks. of it because like a, there's 12. Each team right. plays 12 games. Right. But now every team gets two bye weeks I and then there's at, conference championship. University of Colorado is if they're the center of the football world. Since all of our listeners out there love CU, I bet that in a couple of years, like less than 5% of the people listening are actually going to know about CU. We got to... Maybe tone it down with the Colorado talk as we go the next No, I years. think that we're just getting in on it early before they make a national championship <laughs> run. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Yeah, whatever. I mean, look, uh, you know. Or what do you think? You think it's okay that I'm so pro-CU all the time? Well, I will say you're wrong about thinking that CU is the, the center of the football universe because clearly <laughs> it's me. I, I am actually oh. the, the center of the universe. Yeah. Hey yeah, that's right. Tip that your whole. waitress. Funny to watch him fall over. <laughs> we'll be here uh, till Friday. No, but it's sad. Look, college football is the shortest season of all the major sports. Uh, it, it has the you know, which gives it the longest off season. We're always waiting around. I mean, how brutal is it? We don't get. Uh, we don't get. We don't even get like a. There, you know, there's training camp, but they don't play preseason games. 
and it always goes by so fast. And so, you know, <laughs> if you're out there, if you're if you're a big college football fan, which if you're listening to this, you you are, you should take advantage of these. You know, when like when your family member tries to plan a wedding on a college football Saturday, <laughs> come down with an illness. Why do I think that you're talking up. about something specifically here <laughs> that you came here ready to go with a? No, it's motor. just like I hate. I hate trying to make plans. You know, I always avoid whenever possible. I'm like, if someone tr- tries to get me to do something on a Saturday in the fall, it's like, no. Because even if you're like, well, you know, I'm only going to miss. It's not a huge weekend. There's nothing big. Then when that last weekend comes around and all you have left to look forward to is the bowls and the playoff, which goes so fast, it's all of a sudden it's like, man, I really wish, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you don't know what you had until it's gone, Tyler. And that's always how college football is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get sentimental here. Uh, you're right, though. I mean, it does move so quick. I love college football, see, uh, the bowl season, where yeah. you get all the, the weird matchups and the see, different I teams. Almost don't, don't, I don't. I mean, the, the matchups are cool, but I don't love bowl season because it's just like uh, it's like you know it's it's almost over with, so it's like sad. I, I the regular the the first twelve games are like the best for me. But I, I love, love the that. ESPN commercials where they're singing about the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know that is fun. You know, speaking of commercials. How fucking tired are you of that stupid boy band commercial they've been pumping? Uh, they, all, uh, the it, one where they, they aren't dancing. Dance right yeah, dude, we, I love we've, it. I, anyone who watches college football <laughs> has seen that now like a thousand times. I'm so <laughs> sick of it. Stop it. Stop it. Why can't they just put something else in there? They're brainwashing us. Yeah, I don't know. I'd rather have that than the than Cialis commercials over and over and over. I think I'd rather have Cialis. I mean, come on. It's so it's a nice setting. They're sitting in outdoor bathtubs next to each other. Who doesn't do that on the weekend? Something I did notice last weekend, actually quickly. Have you noticed that none of these stadiums, it seems like stadiums are adding like cement inside. How It's like every other game you watch, someone's slipping in the end zone after they score a touchdown. Someone's going to get hurt soon. Yeah. It happens lot, all the not time. Not all of them are like that, but you're right. There's a lot where it's, it's like kind of sketchy, right? Yes. It's Especially like, when they play them in, in stadiums where they don't normally, like whenever they play that stupid game at Yankee Stadium, right. there's always like one corner yes, where dude. it's way too close. Guys are like People running into stuff. Hurting their ACLs. Yeah, man. It's like crazy. It's a lawsuit so. waiting to happen. Anyway. All right, let's get into the week four games, Tyler. All righty. So, let's do it. Friday night, we're starting it off. Uh, Utah. We talked about this one before. Utah, four-point favorites at USC. Uh, I think this line opened at more like four and a half or five, if I could be wrong, and now it's been bet down to four. So, undefeated Utes, they've held their three opponents so far to 12, 17, and zero points. But Friday in LA, Utah faces what will probably be the most talented offense that they see all year. Uh, we know the strength of this Utah team is the defense and the overall physicality of the team under head coach Kyle Whittingham. But USC is coming off their first loss of the year at BYU, a common opponent of Utah's. So using the transitive property in football is generally not something you want to rely on. Just because one team beat this team, the other team beat them by by more, doesn't make them better. But it's still in, a little bit interesting to see a team they both played in the first three weeks and get two very different outcomes. Now, all of this might have you on Utah's side, but one thing to remember, the home team has won this game for the last six years, and Utah has only won one game in Los Angeles ever. And Tyler, do you know what year it was the last time Utah won a game in, at USC? Um, I'll give you a hint. Hey, no, here, no, no hints, no hints, okay. no hints. I want to go... 2009 oh oh boy you're you'd be very far off the last time that utah won a game 
at USC, the television hadn't been invented yet. It was 1916. Wow. So since Utah has joined the Pac-12, they've never beaten USC at home, uh, on the road. And so that's... Look, you and I talk a lot about betting trends. And and it's sometimes you... You know, everything has you going against it. Sometimes everything has you going with the trend. And so I think that because USC is coming off that loss at BYU, they... You know, that's a little kick in their pants. Maybe, you know, they, they catch a shot on the chin. And all of a sudden, now they're awake. They're saying, okay, you know, not every game is going to be easy for us with this new quarterback, Keaton Slovis. And so even though I feel like Utah is the better team and I, I like their defense more I like their head coach a lot more than Kyle Whittingham is is uh, is leaps and bounds better than Clay Helton something about this with this trend it just has me staying away from Utah and and right now I think I'm very heavily leaning on USC and the points at home yeah I think a lot of this for me boils down to Utah's talent discrepancy against USC. And it's happened over and over, maybe the last four or five, even six years, that Utah's maybe been considered the better team nationally. I remember this exact game, I think it was four years ago. Yep. Utah ranked top 10 team going into favored LA. on the road. Favored by three or four on the road. It was the exact same scenario. And they got blown out. Yeah, what happens is USC's talent kind of comes alive against a better Utah team. When USC has to play up to opponents, don't you want a... If you had a choice and you're playing up to an opponent, do you want the inferior team or do you want guys who, if they get pumped for that game, can play at a different level, almost better than the team who's considered to be better. So I think that's what happens a lot of times is the Trojans enter this game with a chip on their shoulder, something to prove against a team with worse athletes. Right. Add on to that. I'm not a huge Clay Helton fan, but all of the talk recently with the new AD, the turnover at USC, the loss last week at BYU, there's going to be some major negative news surrounding Clay Helton. I expect him to come out with a good game plan, and USC is going to fight buying Clay Helton. In the media, we always talk about Clay Helton is going to get fired. That's fine, but in the locker room, they like this guy, and I think they're going to show up and and, and play hard for Clay Helton. And um, it's also worth noting something we talked about earlier in the show, the bounce back factor. Right. When, ha- when a team has a really good showing one week, maybe look to fade them the following week, i.e. Maryland. And the opposite, when a team blows it against a BYU team like USC did last week, I look for the bounce back effect. I like uh, USC to, to potentially win this game, and I like them plus the four points. Uh USC, as you said, an 11... Uh, actually, I don't know if you mentioned that they have an 11-6 edge in the rivalry overall, but it's a huge stat. In yeah. LA, going back, uh, Utah doesn't match up, and I like uh, USC here. Well, last thing, I think a lot of people around the country will look at this line and say, oh, this is easy. Utah right. is a much better team. Going to LA, they're going to kill them. I always tend to go the other direction with those games. Yeah, I agree. And and to be fair, I think this is probably the best team Kyle Whittingham has had in Utah. So I don't think the talent discrepancy is quite as big as it has been in the past. We mentioned that that game, you know, four or five years ago. And I, I don't think the talent discrepancy is quite as bad. But once again, and look, also, I think that Utah probably looked at this game on their schedule and said, this is the biggest game for us to have a chance to, or to win the Pac-12 South. So I'm sure they'll be hyped up. But to me, it's just... You know, I've said it before on the podcast. I'm going to continue to say it is that before I bet someone to buck a trend like that, you got to show me you can do it first. And so, you know, if if a bunch of money came in on USC and this line dropped to Utah, you know, minus two or two and a half, I might be might be more inclined to take Utah there. I think Utah could win a close one, but as long as this is more than a field goal, 
I'm all over USC for sure. Yep, me too. Good okay. stuff. Next up, Miami of Ohio, 39.5 point underdogs at Ohio State. Now, why are we talking about this game? <laughs> why are we talking about uh, this game? <laughs> so, the reason why is because you and I have both done really well with our picks on Ohio State the first half of games. The fir- they're 3-0 and right now uh, against the spread in the first half, 2-1 and overall. And uh, I just think that this game, the market may have finally caught up to Ohio State. So, before where I've been playing Ohio State first half, you know, basically just saying, you know, they're, they're going to jump on teams early, which by the way, this first half spread will be something around 21 or 22. It's very possible that they do the same thing and they blow out Miami of Ohio. They're up 30, you know, they're up 30 at the end of the first half. But with such a big spread like this, be careful. They're big numbers. So I'm staying away from that 40 point spread and the first half. I just wanted to say that though, is that I think that maybe the market has, you know, kind of caught up to Ohio State's uh, level now, their their talent level, and so I'm staying away from this game. But I will be interested to see once they face better opponents. What were those lines again? So don't play the Ohio State first half this week. Yeah, I mean, good point with the market, but I'm staying as far away from that game for as sure. Possibly. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, next up, uh, Central Florida, 12 and a half point favorites at Pitt. So we just saw Pitt play a really close game on the road against Penn State, a team that you know has some question marks, but I think we can all agree Penn State's a super talented team, expected it to be very good this year. And Central Florida, they just blew out Stanford at home. So this is an interesting line to me because 12.5 point favorites, that might kind of seem like easy money for Central Florida, but I'm a little bit wary of it. This is a battle of team strengths going up against each other. So the Knights, of course, they have the explosive offense and a defense that's not great, but not terrible. And then you look at Pitt and it couldn't be much more the opposite when it comes to both performance on the field and team philosophy. So the Panthers, we talked about it earlier, they're a bit of a throwback, a team with an old-school mentality that they have a very stingy defense and a slow-moving run-first offense. So when you have a game like this where you have a great offense going up a great against a great defense, I usually lean with the defensive side, especially when they're at home. But Central Florida's ability to make explosive plays and score early in games has me really liking the Knights here. So through their first three games, Central Florida has outscored teams in the first half 114-13. to 13. Now, obviously this pit defense is better than any of the of UCF's first three opponents. Uh, you know, they're holding... Right now, Pitt is holding teams to just 19 points per game so far. But I think that Central Florida will have a bit of their shoulder... A bit of, excuse me, a bit of a chip on their shoulder again going up against another Power 5 team. They don't get a lot of these Power 5 teams that are right. willing to play them. They just blew out Stanford. I'm sure this one has also been circled on their schedule before the season saying, look, these are our two Power 5 teams. If they want to have a shot at making the playoff, I think they want to make statement wins against these teams. So I think they find a way to break off chunk plays and score points early. So if if the game total right now is around 12 or 13, I expect this first half spread to be around 6.5 or 7, and I really like Central Florida in the first half spread. You know, I see a major tease option. Whenever I see, you said 12 and a half, right? Yeah. That goes right down to six and a half through the corridor of 10 through seven. It's a nice tease option. So, Will, if you like Central Florida there, which I agree with you on many of your points, I lean Central Central Florida as well. I think the tease there is, uh, uh, just a quick recap, if you can go through key numbers like three, seven, 10, we call those advantage teasers. So taking a number from 12 and a half to six and a half goes through 10 and seven. That's huge. So if you think UCF's going to win, I like taking that down to six and a half as 
a potential uh, teaser this weekend. Right, and just an explanation for anyone that maybe isn't quite too sure on what a teaser is, right? So you you can take away key football scores, you can add them or or take them away from the spread, right? Three or six points. Isn't that right? But you have to you have to take them well, on multiple te- multiple games, right? Uh, usually, yeah. Usually teasers are six, six and a half, or seven points. Okay. So I mean, maybe on like some quirky websites, you use five dimes, right? Yes. Five dimes is known for if you folks, if you want line variation and the ability to manipulate the line, five dimes is a great option. They're kind of known for putting other things out there. So a, a three point teaser, five dimes may have that, but the more uh, generic teasers, the more common. Teasers are going to be six, six and a half, or seven points. Okay, gotcha. Uh, next game, Michigan State minus ten. They're ten point favorites on the road at Northwestern. This line just reeks to me. Yeah, so, that ugly loss. Yeah, unbelievable. Michigan, yeah. Michigan State scores seven at home against Arizona State, and now we're supposed to pick them to win by ten on the road against Northwestern. No, thank you. Look, this is pretty simple. Michigan State's defense is incredible, one of the best in the whole country, but their offense is so bad that even the Spartans defense even if the Spartans defense scores a touchdown, I'm still not sure they can cover the spread. Now, Northwestern's offense is a pile of garbage too. Let's just get that out there. It's really not good. But after what we saw last week, you can beat Michigan State by scoring just one touchdown. Never mind covering when you're a 10-point underdog at home. Oh, and by the way, Northwestern has beaten Michigan State three straight years. Wow. All of this is just worrying me now because when you see a line that is too good to be true, it probably is, and this line reeks like hell. The guys in the desert clearly are seeing something the rest of us aren't from a matchup standpoint, but even still, I just can't not take Northwestern here. I can never learn my lesson. My dumb brain just says there's no way that this can that that Michigan State can go on the road and win by, by 11 points. So I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This is my best bet. I'm going both Northwestern plus 10 at home and under the 39. The over-under is 39 for this game. I think it's going to be another ugly, grinded-out, sloppy game. I like Northwestern plus 10 and under the 39. Do you think Brian Lewerke finds any success against this defense at all? Why would he? He hasn't found success against anyone yet, not yeah. in the last two years. I mean, he's he's still completing 64% of his passes. He's got almost 1,000 yards this season alone. I think he's having statistically a pretty good year. I could see him having some success and seeing the narrative after this game being... Wow, Lewerke really surprised us and, right. and, and picked apart that defense. I could see that being an error. I think, again, I'll say it, I think the Arizona State defense is underrated, and I think that may be the story in two or three weeks when we see Michigan State have more success. Interesting. So uh, Yeah, that could be. But look, the Northwestern defense is really good, too. We saw them yeah. go on the road week one and hold Stanford to just 10 points offensively. And so... You know, it's not like this is a defense that he can just pick apart. Now, yeah, obviously he could have a, a great day. Maybe it is just Arizona State's defense is that much underrated. But still, we're talking about 10-point road favorite against a team they haven't beaten in three straight years. I just I, I don't understand it. This line, like I said before, it reeks. And usually when it seems too good to be true, it is. But I just can't help it. This and is, It seems like easy money. This line opened up Michigan State's six-and-a-half-point favorites, by the way. Yeah, and, and so now it's, been bet, now it's been bet to 10? That's... You know what that means is the syndicate money, the early syndicate money. For those who don't know, syndicates are groups of people who bet millions of dollars on these games early in the week. Um, and that means that they're the ones moving lines like this. When you see a drastic move, three points before Tuesday night, that means a lot of money came in on Michigan State from really, really sharp professionals. It's it's tough to go against those guys. Okay, fair enough. Well, there you go. That could be evidence that I'm just a total square, and I see something. That, well, I see something that looks juicy, and I want to have it. But also, again, that line moved all, all the way almost to ten. Right. So if you're leaning northwest, then there you go. Okay, fair enough.
Uh, you got anything on that one? We're moving on. No more? Let's All go. right. Next game. This one, obviously, going to be one of the biggest matchups of the day. It's the noon Eastern start. Michigan on the road, plus three at Wisconsin. Now, the home team in this game is 3-0 the last three years. So Harbaugh's 2-1 against Paul Christ. He's had two home games. Last year, Michigan put a beat down on Wisconsin, 38-13. Now, Wisconsin this year, they're looking really good. They beat South, uh, South Florida 49 to nothing in Week 1 and then followed that up with a Week 2 win against Central Michigan 61 to nothing. They haven't given up a point on defense yet. Uh, Jack Cohn, Quintez Cephas on offense. Oh, and by the way, if you haven't heard of him, Jonathan Taylor. This guy is a Heisman candidate running back. He's probably the best running back in the whole country. He's a freak of nature. This Wisconsin offense is really rolling on all, uh, are firing on all cylinders. And for the first time ever, their passing, <clears throat> their passing offense is actually kind of dynamic. They're actually throwing the ball to Jonathan Taylor and not just handing it off to him. A lot of positives for Wisconsin here. They're coming off a bye. Also, Michigan coming off a bye. When you have two teams coming off a bye week, I really don't know that you can give an advantage to either one, but Michigan's came at a time when they needed it. You know, they're struggling against Army in week two. Uh, they didn't look all that great against uh, uh, Middle Tennessee State in week one, whereas Wisconsin maybe didn't want a week off. I mean, they were on fire, two straight blowout wins. You know, it, it, I'm hesitant to say that's an advantage towards Michigan, but I don't know that it's an advantage towards either one. This is a tough call. I can honestly see this game going either way, but one thing that sticks out to me big time, Michigan hasn't won at Camp Randall since 2001. Four trips since then, they've all come up with a loss. I'm leaning Wisconsin minus three here, and I got to say as a Michigan fan, I am terrified. Yeah, I'm scared for Michigan as well. Yeah. I don't see this ending well for the Wolverines. I think they go in, get exposed here, especially on offense. I mean, I guess you could argue that the Wisconsin secondary in general hasn't seen what Michigan can bring to the table. But right. then again, that's just assuming Michigan's going to be at their very best and you know have some electric plays, maybe going to go vertical a little bit. I think Wisconsin's going to prove. They have a pretty good secondary as well. I think Michigan gets shocked in this game. What'd you say the spread was three and a half? Just three right now. Three. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that number. You know, so this is claiming I'm these sure are even teams? Uh, yeah, basically. Because Wisconsin's at home? Yeah, and that's talk about a real home field advantage. Not, not, te not all teams really have that, but Camp Randall is a super tough place to play. I know this may be... Actually, I don't know how this would come across, but I think Wisconsin's clearly the better team at this point. Yeah, I mean, uh, they certainly look like it, but once again, you know, it's been against South Florida, a team that's really bad in the American, and then against Central Michigan. And so, you know, a lot of these early games, you just don't know what teams are yet because they haven't played top-tier competition, and they are looking at, you know, Michigan's done well against them. But once again, that could be an added, that could be a revenge factor. This new quarterback, Jack Cohn, who, who did get a few starts at the end of last year, you know, he's, he's going to have his hands full going against a Michigan team that, while they lost a lot on defense, their secondary is very talented. Don Brown's scheme has been the defensive coordinator for Michigan. It's been done very well at limiting points for Wisconsin in the past. But once again, it, I really think it's going to come down to, can the Michigan offense go on the road and score against this Wisconsin defense? Yeah, that's the biggest question mark. I know it's important to look at the past few matchups. That's, that's clearly something you don't want to ignore. But looking at this season alone, I think Wisconsin is just a different team. Wisconsin has not been complete the last couple of years. This is the year that I think they, they put it together. Hornybrook, when he was at Wisconsin, they still struggled to throw the ball downfield. He, yeah. tra he transferred because Wisconsin's finally getting quarterbacks who can 
allow them to have a, a dual yeah. offense that they can throw the football. By the way, Michigan has beat themselves this season. I mean, I think of any team right now in the Big Ten, Michigan is maybe not the most... Uh, you know, kind of capable of making mistakes, but they made a lot this year. And yeah. you look at the other side of the football, Wisconsin leads the nation in third down conversions, third down defense, fewest penalties, time of possession, right. total defense, fewest first downs allowed. They're first in the country in yeah, all Yeah, they haven't stats. given up a point. It's unbelievable. But once again, I mean, how much weight can you put into that when it's, we're talking about South Florida and Central Michigan? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying Wisconsin's yeah. bad. They're clearly not. But until we see them against uh, a good opponent, which Michigan is, I, I you do, know, we'll, we'll know more after a week. I do have a stat for, for Michigan, too, by the way. And this isn't the best bet or anything. I lean Wisconsin. But I, I also think I don't like to bet against teams like Michigan in this spot because it's kind of like my uh, earlier example about having a good team when you have to get up with USC. Yeah. That's the same thing with Michigan here. I mean, if you're going to have a bye week and – and, and really get amped for one game, this team has the capability to take it to the next level. Sure. So we could see Michigan do that this game. But I mean, and one more stat. It's, as a professional better, one thing that we really harp on is, and, and that the public really struggles with, is that turnovers are largely luck. How much luck is a huge debate. Is it 50%? Is it 75%? Is it 90%? Right. right. I think about 50... I think about half of interceptions are luck and I think about 75% of fumbles in general are luck right but it's interesting because when you have a team that just doesn't turn the ball over the public narrative is always hey they're great at protecting the football when my narrative is always well they're getting a little bit luckier than the average team Wisconsin this year only has two turnovers they have not been challenged defensively. If there's going to be a team to come in and surprise them, it's going to be Michigan. And I understand Wisconsin's outperformed expectations the first two games, but South Florida, uh, who was the other team they Central played? Central Michigan. Central Michigan. Yeah. These are not on the same level as Michigan. Right. Um, it just scares me that I, I would feel, so obviously, so much better if this were in Ann Arbor, but I do yeah. give uh, Wisconsin the edge there. Yeah, and you know, you said it, look, when at least this year, and, and honestly, it's been like this a lot under the Harbaugh era. It's that when Michigan loses... Most of the time, it's not just because they don't, you know, they're uh, outmatched from a talent standpoint. They're usually beating themselves. And yeah, they turn the ball over three times against uh, Army uh, in, in week two. So if they can clean those things up, I, you know, maybe then you could say, well, they're the better team. They should win. But that's a huge if. I mean, they fumbled the ball three times in <laughs> all of 2018. They did it. Uh, uh, in just one half against Army this year, so that's a huge question mark. I, like you know, like I said, I'm terrified as a Michigan fan. I'm not willing to say take Michigan plus the three. I think I'm leaning Wisconsin here. Ah, there we go. I like it, Will. You know, not sticking with Michigan there. I haven't picked them once, man. I'm telling <laughs> you, they're making me nervous. Yeah, I think I'm figuring out your strategy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a what's it called like the emotional hedge isn't that what some people do well all like I know bet it, against your favorite team so you always have whatever that strategy is uh, you know I'm, they're <laughs> 0-2 against the spread so fading them hasn't been a problem so far there we go uh, next game Auburn plus 4 at Texas A&M so the Aggies offense has been blowing out bad teams like Texas State and Lamar but they needed a garbage time touchdown just to get 10 points on the scoreboard against Clemson two weeks ago and what do we know about Auburn? They have a very strong defense led by what might be the one, you know, one of the best defensive lines in all of college football. So we've we've you and I have talked a lot about AM and you know, I'm definitely in the camp that believes Jimbo Fisher can and will turn AM into a monster, but they're not that monster yet. And not while Kellen Mond is their quarterback. 
I think he's good. I, don't, I just don't think he's great enough to get them wins in big games. And, you know, the AM defense is very talented and will definitely make life hard for true freshman quarterback Bo Nix of Auburn. But I think Auburn keeps it close here. I think their defense can limit points for AM. I think this will be a great game, by the way. Low scoring and Auburn covering the four points on the road is kind of what, how I see it going. Oh, and by the way, Auburn has won four of the last six against Texas A&M. I don't love Texas A&M in this game. I, I, if I'm taking the points, I'm taking Auburn plus four. I mean, I actually kind of lean towards the over this game, over 50 and a half. I see, I see two teams who know each other well, two coaches whose schemes match up with the other defense. And I actually think we see Bo Nix throw for some yards this game. I think we see both quarterbacks have success. Uh, I would lean over 50 and a half here. And uh, what is it? Three of the last... Uh, let me pull it up, actually. By the si- Six of the last seven Aggies home games have gone over. Oh, wow. And the last four times these teams have played, it's gone over. Yeah, and I saw this number as low as 48 and a half. Now, I don't know if you can still get that number. Maybe that's just been bet up to 50 and a half. But if you like that, then you know maybe there's some opportunity to get even more value there. You know, Texas A&M, uh, the 12th man, they call it. It's a super tough place to play. It's a huge stadium. Their fans are are all about it. Um, but I just can't, you know, I'm, I'm fearful of putting my money down on Kellen Mond, even though it's hilarious to say I'm willing to do that for Bo Nix, who's a true freshman, right? <laughs> but I just really like this Auburn defense. I think Auburn needs this game a lot more than Texas A&M. You know, if Auburn wants to have a chance in the SEC West, uh, you know, they need this one bad. And so... Yeah, I, I think I'm leaning Auburn plus four here, but I do like your, your over bet. That, that's interesting. It's uh, I think that we're going to be reminded on how tough a stadium this is to play in. Yeah. The 12th man's going to come back out, and I see a lot of points this weekend. Okay, fair enough. Next up, Oklahoma State, the Cowboys, plus five going on the road at Texas. Is it plus five right now? Uh, I don't know. I had this line I, I as of yesterday. Right. Why don't you see what, what we're at now? It is five and a half. Okay. Wow. There you go. So at Texas, over under for this game, by the way, 74. Quite a number. So the Cowboys may have covered last week at Tulsa. We touched on that earlier, but they didn't look very good doing it, in my opinion, which doesn't give me much confidence in Oklahoma State going into this game in Austin. Uh, look, you know, you got to give credit where credit is due. Mike Gundy and the Cowboys are they're 3-0 against the spread right now, and they've had Texas's number as of late. They've won four years straight, and... Their last five games in Austin dating back to 2010. Five straight wins in Austin. You know me, Tyler. I factor in trends super heavily when I'm picking games, but I really feel like this is the year Texas breaks the streak. We saw Tulsa running all over Oklahoma State at times last week, making long drives and gutting the Cowboys on the ground. And after seeing what Texas's offense can do against both good and bad defenses, including LSU, I just don't see Oklahoma State getting many stops. And I think Sam Ellinger has a huge day and the Texas defense is able to get enough key stops in order to cover this uh, five-point spread. So I like Texas here. And this thing opened at seven, and I love Oklahoma State at seven. It's been bet down, like you said, to five, five and a half in some places, and I still lean Oklahoma State. This has to do with Tom Herman as a home favorite. He's looked so bad in his entire career. doesn't matter where he's been a head coach. Oklahoma State knows how to beat them. You mentioned Mike Gundy's come into this place and won. They're not afraid to go into Texas. And I think what often happens is Oklahoma State, for, for knowing these these two teams, or for these two teams knowing each other so well, Oklahoma State gets a lot of these like sneaky three-star recruits yeah. that end up getting drafted, end up being so good oh, in yeah. the Big 12. They're a great recruiting school. Have you ever been to Norman, Oklahoma? Or excuse me, Stillwater, Oklahoma? No, I haven't. Oof, St- it's, stink water, as it's, some might it's call it. There's not much to do there, man. <laughs> There's not a whole lot going on at night. 
And uh, But I still lean Oklahoma State. I would take the plus five and a half. I think we get a very, very close down-to-the-wire game. And something you'll hear a lot, which does not make any uh, sense when you look at the data, is... Well, it's a high over under, so therefore Texas will have a better chance of covering. That's nonsense. Right. History says that doesn't matter. The, the line still ends up being very even at the end. But Oklahoma State, you give me that extra point and a half, this is probably a best bet at plus seven. Uh, five and a half, it's just a lean. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, look, I like Oklahoma State's offense. I love their, their running back, Chuba Hubbard. Tylen Wallace, the, the wide receiver, I mean, he's a monster. And, you know, look. I've mentioned it before. I do factor trends in super heavily, but it's also you have to consider this trend, right? So, yeah, Oklahoma State's won five straight in Austin, but a lot of those came against when Texas was down with Charlie Strong. I just think this Texas program is in a totally different spot than they were two years ago when they played this game in Austin, and especially the years before that when you had Charlie Strong at the end of the Mac Brown era. So I just think this is when the tide kind of turns more in Texas's favor. I really like them here. Lots of orange in that game. A ton of orange, yeah. yeah. That's going to be a good one. Aren't uh, you glad I brought that up? Oh. hey <laughs> But um, uh, Next game. Okay. Oregon, 10.5-point favorites at Stanford. Over-under here is 59.5. Now, Stanford may have three straight wins against Oregon, but this year just feels different for both teams. Uh, we've seen the Stanford defense really struggle the last two weeks. They gave up 45 points to USC, and then they go and give up 40 point, 45 points again to Central Florida. So those are teams with good offenses, and this week may not be much different as the Ducks roll into Palo Alto. You know, after Oregon loses the heartbreaker to Auburn in week one, they've gone on to bludgeon their week two and week three opponents by a combined score of 112 to nine. Uh, You know, look, those are both against cupcake opponents, Nevada and Montana, but Stanford is no doubt a much more worthy opponent. But after the last two weeks, I just can't find any reason to believe the Cardinal defense is going to show up. Uh, they haven't done it yet. I know they're at home. And look, I haven't been the biggest fan of Oregon's offensive coordinator, Marcus Arroyo. I think his play calling is a little predictable. But I still think the Ducks can score a lot of points against the, against Stanford. Uh, I think the Oregon defense is in a great spot to slow down KJ Costello. And with Stanford losing two of their first three games, whatever small home field advantage they did have is greatly diminished. I don't think you're going to see a lot of people show up there. You know, look, Palo Alto's not going to be added to the list of top 25 toughest places to play anytime soon. Uh, to me, everything is trending. Oregon covering for me. Uh, and, you know, don't forget also, that game last year in Eugene, Oregon seemed to have the game wrapped up and then coughed up the lead late. They, they felt like they blew it. They should have won. So there's an added element of revenge for the Ducks. I like Oregon here, minus 10.5. Unless Stanford can find a way to start throwing the football downfield, they don't stand a chance this game. I think Oregon rolls. I think Oregon wins big. There's no way KJ Costello in this offense is going to keep up. I'm throwing some trends out the window here. Oregon, 2-8 against the spread, their last 10 on the road. Oregon, 3-8 against the spread, their last 11 games against a team with a losing record. This does not suggest that that things are going to go well for Oregon. But similar to your Texas handicap, I think this is simply a different Oregon team. We were Remember that loss week one? I think they have a huge showing here against the Pac-12 rival, someone who they have reason to run the score up against. I take Oregon. I take Oregon big this game. All right, we're both on that. I like that. Speaking of which, by the way, do you want to put the Texas-Oklahoma State game on the bed board? Is that one we should add no, to No, no, because it? it's five and a half. I right, mean, if you'll give lean. me... Will you give me seven? No, if we'll make our own line, I'll give you six and a half. No, I can't no. do that. If we can, and we should, we, we should do that all year. Make our own lines if we want to yeah. kind of do our own stuff. But you give me seven, you got to bet. Mm, 
No, I like it right where it's at right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's you too. (laughs) All right, next game. This is the last one I got. We'll see if Tyler's got any more he wants to talk about. This is, you know, outside of that Michigan-Nebraska game, I think this is, you know, these are the two biggest matchups of the day. Notre Dame, they go on the road to Georgia between the hedges. Notre Dame, I think the line right now is 14 points. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tyler. Maybe that number has changed. It might be 14 and a half, maybe 13 and a half. But Georgia, a big favorite at home. 14, even. 14, okay. Minus 110. Now, look, these are two teams that we really don't know much about right now. Both teams haven't played tough schedules. I mean, look, Notre Dame going at Louisville week one might be the toughest matchup for either team so far. But we really don't know. We don't know who Louisville is either. So you just can't take much from these results so far. What we do know about both these teams is they're extremely athletic. They're both strong on the offensive and defensive line. They both returned their quarterbacks from last year with Jake Fromm at Georgia, Ian Book at Notre Dame. And lastly, both teams lost about half their starters from 2018. They both returned almost exactly half. Uh, Now, look, they're both blowing out teams. I've been high on Georgia all offseason. I predicted them to beat Bama this year in the SEC championship game and go to the playoff where I think they have a real shot at winning it all. But... We, sti- we still haven't seen them against a top-level opponent this year. Like I said, we just don't know yet. They've done exactly what you'd expect in their first three games. They blew out Vanderbilt, they blew out Murray State, and blew out Arkansas State. Great, you did that. Now they finally get a big game. And with a point spread at 14, I, look, the guys in the desert seem to agree with me that Georgia, uh, with Georgia being a playoff caliber team with a line like that. Um, now, look, I know they're at home. I think they're the better, better team here. But 14 points is a lot when you consider that Notre Dame is a very well-rounded, well-coached, and talented team. Don't forget that these guys played each other in South Bend two years ago, the year that Georgia went to a national championship game, and Georgia barely escaped with a one-point win. So I don't love this spread, but if I'm picking one side or the other, I feel like I have to take Notre Dame here to stay within two scores. Yeah, I mean, if, if I'm forcing a pick, I'm definitely going Notre Dame there as well. Um, God, we're coming down to a power play with like five minutes to go in the game it's so intense <laughs> we got the, over here we got right the now. hockey tv up in the studio <laughs> it's it's so this is what it's all right about now. i know right but uh no i mean how can you here's the thing you just said it you've got two elite teams I, i've talked all show about if you've got a team who's got the talent level and a reason to get up it's tough to fade those teams notre dame has gotten better and better and i actually think will as the number seven team in the country, they're underrated. I think the people ignore them. I don't think they take Notre Dame seriously. It's always like late November that we finally, at least for me, that, that right. I start going, oh, okay, Notre Dame may actually make it this year. Right. And then so, they get blown out by Clemson, so everyone thinks that they're completely trash, yeah, right? E- exactly. And, and and I think that uh, 14 points is just too much for me here. Georgia's good. I mean, Georgia's one of the better teams. <laughs> you got some passionate fans. Yeah, there's there's no can, doubt about that. Just YouTube crazy Georgia fan. You'll see that guy. He's special. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I lean Notre Dame 214. This is, I usually don't love, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> Unbelievable. What just happened? I, power play goal with four minutes to go. Rut row. Fucking ridiculous. Rut row. The life of a professional gambler, <sighs> folks. But um, yeah, I lean Notre Dame there. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think that Notre Dame is a little bit underrated. Uh, they really, you look at their schedule, they've got, it's not as bad as usual. They've got three tough games, this Georgia one being the first one, so you know they're ready for it. And even though, look, Brian Kelly's gotten blown out in a couple national championship games uh, in, in a playoff appearance, I think he's a really good coach. I think he's an underrated coach. And he's good in big games. Uh, you know, 
outside of playing Alabama and Clemson, you know, who's going to look great against them playing them all the time? That's what I, that's what I think about that. And so this is a huge point spread. Look, it wouldn't surprise me if Georgia blows them out and wins by 21. I think you know Georgia doesn't have a lot on their schedule to get up for either. They need this one. I think Notre Dame needs it more because Georgia could still go and win the SEC and make the playoff. Notre Dame needs this game a lot more. I like Ian Book. This guy is super underrated as far as quarterbacks go across the country. They always have talent uh, at the skill positions. I mentioned they have a really strong offensive line and defensive line. This is just such a huge point spread. I think you know if I don't love it either way, but. Notre Dame plus 14 is probably where I'm leaning. There you go. Okay. Uh, were there any other ones? I know we talked about Louisville, Florida State. Do you want to touch on that? I mean, I, I think Louisville wins this game. I, I don't know. Okay. What's the spread? So they're six and a half point underdogs on, on the road at Florida State. No, uh, I, mean, I take Louisville money line there plus 205. Yeah, so Florida State finally covers uh, last week against against Virginia, albeit it was a close one, uh, but they, they didn't get the win. And look, this Louisville team, it was really bad last year, but then they bring in this guy, Scott Satterfield, who was the coach at Appalachian State for so long. He, you know, That was a really good program. Yeah, I think he brings some toughness. They're just kind of a wild card team this year, Louisville is. So I guess if I, you know, maybe I'm with you. I like Louisville plus six and a half if I'm picking that game. There you go. Yeah, I like that. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the show, guys. Uh, once again, if you like the show, tell your friends, tell people that like college football, go and subscribe, rate and review. That's really good to help us grow the show. We're on all the, anywhere you can find podcasts. Check us out on Twitter at CFB Weekly. We'll see you next week.